Uh, we're getting the opportunity to visit with Eugene Sologobenko, and we're so excited. We've been partnering together for many years. You're a good friend. Been, had the opportunity to be in Moldova. Our church is um, given to help with efforts, the refugee efforts in Ukraine. And there's, uh, I know you just mentioned there's been a lot of people that have been very generous. And once they prayed, once they kind of saw the need, God pointed them in that direction. But just tell us a little bit about, first of all, just what you've seen need-wise, what is this current situation, and kind of some of the ministry that has gone on and continues to go on. Well, thank you, and it's great to be in a safe area here in the United States with, uh, uh, with you, John, and with uh, Crestview. Um, first of all, I want to say thanks to everybody at Crestview who have been generous and praying and sending us emails and, and messages supporting uh, it was it was a unreal a unreal situation on February 24th when the war broke out. Uh, we've communicated a little bit about potential that the refugees would come. We couldn't realize we didn't even realize how big the need would be. But one of the greatest things was that through this, almost immediately we we could find out who our friends are, and we know that people cared because the immediate response. Uh, we didn't even put out a request for funds, but people had seen what was happening. We received a lot of encouraging emails. We received uh, emails from the church. Uh, you told us that people are coming up and asking how they can help. And the need was so huge within the first week, uh, other than look, look, looking at thousands and tens of thousands of people pouring into Moldova, uh, we probably calculated as many as at the first days, as many as 15, 20,000 people would just try to cross into the country. Everybody was feeling like Ukraine is going to fall. Uh, people were afraid. The bombs were exploding. We were receiving uh, requests for food in the places that uh, have been, been left out without food. And so the funds that came in, we were able to immediately respond without even thinking, are we going to have it or not? So we had some funds available to our ministry and our board just said, you, you know, as long as you know that you can use it, you know, you're going to have a resupply. So uh, just one example was that somebody came to us and asked for uh, to buy food, a uh, baby formula for uh, worth about $3,000. Now, in a given year, $3,000, that's almost like a couple months support from, from, from the church. But uh, we knew the lady. She was part of Young Life Ministry in Odessa. She and her husband just happened to be in Moldova when the war broke out. And they were representing a church out of Mykolaiv, which is just down the road from Odessa. And she said, there is this need that came. And they're saying, there's, there's these children that need food. We didn't realize what it was. But as I walked to the grocery store, uh, we talked to the director. They gave us a discount. And I charged $3,000 to our ministry card. We loaded up literally their private vehicle, which went to Ukraine. Two days later, I get an email. Uh, actually, it was a text message uh, through one of the messenger apps. And she says, Pastor, you wouldn't realize what just happened. She says, I knew it was a dire straits need. But what we found out is that between Mykolaiv and Kherson, there's a smaller town where in the basement for a couple weeks, a little bit more than two weeks, there was a group of women from a maternity hospital who were hiding with their oh. brand new babies uh, in, the, in the basement and they were being evacuated. And so the church came alongside the, key, the people who were doing the evacuation because a lot of Christians were involved in volunteer work. They found out that there were 16 babies in that basement and only one of the mothers still had milk because of the stress. All of them pretty much lost milk and one lady was feeding 16 babies for uh, oh. two weeks. 
And when we came, you know, obviously the kids were malnourished and they brought that food. It was just, just a huge response. So just that one small, you know, yes, $3,000 is a lot of money. When, when you talk about the children's lives, suddenly uh, it becomes uh, not so much. And yet God knew at the right time to provide for the right people. And uh, that story in different forms has repeated itself so many times. So that's kind of uh, what's been happening. What, what would you, how would you describe the current, current situation and the current ministries that you're seeing going on? I mean, you mentioned some things about human trafficking. I know you've mentioned some things about just the continued need, though it may not be the same levels it was, but it, it and there seems to be a lot of need, just people dealing with this ongoing just reality that is every day kind of hanging over. So I think there's some of that too. So what what of any of those areas you see as far as ministry right now, what you see uh, opportunities to, to serve God in right now for you guys? So it's a February 24th of 2022, a little bit uh, more than a year ago. Uh, we were getting together with a group of about 24 pastors. Uh, we came together to prayerfully consider how we're going to continue church planting. And our ministry has been developing at a very fast pace, especially since the COVID restrictions were lifted. We didn't know it was going to be the day that in the morning Russia is going to be beginning its attack on Ukraine. So as we prayed of the 24 pastors, we all talked about what we could do. And we pretty much went uh, all the way from the border of Moldova uh, to some went and started setting up uh, checkpoints uh, where we would give direction to people. Uh, some went to convert their churches into refugee centers. Uh, most of us organized a group of drivers who would be willing to offer their vehicles or drive because it's a two and a half hour drive uh, to the actual border crossing. So one of the biggest things that we saw is that people that started crossing the border were women and children. The drivers, 95% uh, of them were not even uh, elderly, but it's unfortunately the prime time for human traffickers to snatch them somewhere along as they're trying to get into safety. Many right. of them would travel to Europe. So as the church, one of the biggest considerations we, you know, that, that was we want to help that uh, and prevent that from happening. So from the checkpoint on the Ukrainian side where we fed people, um, we gave them waters, we gave them hot food, uh, we gave them directions uh, to providing... Uh, at first, people were using their own gasoline, but after a while, we were, but we were buying you know, gasoline for people who would be giving free rides to people, to these Christian centers, the churches. You know, we helped purchase mattresses. You know, mm -hmm. Crestview has contributed funds. We were able to do that. Uh, we fed people uh, with an organization that was paying for the buses to go all the way to Karlsruhe, which is a German-French border. They took, uh, over the last year, over 10,000 people, but even though they could pay for the bus, uh, and taking people to safety, they could only provide one meal. And so we came alongside them and we fed, you know, helped over 10,000 people, 130 buses to be able to travel into safety. So that was the church. Mm -hmm. Today, the Church of Jesus Christ in Moldova, from that day on, has grown uh, closer. The walls have, came, have come down. Uh, in November of this year, we put together a gathering for the discipleship, for disciple makers uh, of the 24 pastors that came. All of them were there, but they were also joined. Uh, they were, we calculated more than 220 attendees 
from every known discipleship making organization, from every known evangelical denomination who came together and said, we want to continue to serve. And one of the challenges is 100,000 Ukrainians are still in Moldova, over a million people that went through the country, which is the largest per capita in Europe, uh, of other countries in Europe. And we're still having 10, 100,000 Ukrainians, which is still largest per capita. That's where our challenge is today. We as a church, instead of doing a one-time touch, uh, as we did at the border crossings, as, as they traveled now, we have these people that we can, can continue to touch their lives. So some of our churches, uh, there's a church in North Hay, which is just a little bit north of uh, uh, the city of Kishinev. Our church planter, who's a second year student in the seminary, and Crestview is supporting the seminary, you, uh, he, he started with a small group. Now he's got 70 to 80 Ukrainians show up every Sunday at 2 p.m. And he's, he's having to serve them. Now he's looking for a bigger facility because that's a, it's a small room that he was uh, hoping to fill one day. And so that continuous work with people. But their challenge and our challenge is the need is there because there's no jobs in Moldova. There is really no jobs inside Ukraine. And so we're finding that we have to fill their needs, basic needs as far as food, sometimes basic medical needs, buying medicine, uh, sometimes just buying them clothes because they have no other ways of providing for themselves. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the challenges we're seeing, but we are seeing this as a great opportunity that makes our, our churches stronger and it continues to unite us as the Church of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. T tell, just to chase that a little bit, because I thought it was really fascinating when you were talking earlier about just the Church of Jesus Christ in Moldova. Why do you feel like that it, with and, and I know from past conversations we've had how that there, you know, people were very divided as far as churches and working together and that sort of thing. But those walls came down. What do you think the main factor God used to make that happen? So when the Church of Jesus Christ in Moldova uh, looked at the existential crisis, and what I mean by that is that we realized tomorrow we may not be here. You know, all these differences in theology all these differences of practice and ecclesiological practice, right. they became unimportant. Okay. All the traditions, mm -hmm. uh, we saw in other people, other pastors, the only people that really cared for each other. Like we knew each other and sometimes we had those differences. But I think because we started seeing that huge need and the need was beyond our comprehension. You know, I walked to the other side of the border. I walked about three miles inland into Ukraine. And when you're surrounded by the sea of people, by the pain that, 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 that is completely overwhelming. Uh, as, a, uh, as a young man uh, at the age of 16, I cried when I didn't have the reciprocity in my puppy love toward a girl. And I hadn't cried since. And seeing the pain and devastation, um, I had a tipping point where uh, I, I cried. When you, when you see that uh, hopelessness in people's eyes and they've lost everything, uh, they're not going because they are looking for a better life. They're going because they're trying to escape. And as the Church of Jesus Christ, we realized our calling, that we are to be one body. And everybody talked about it was really a move of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't anything that we initiated. It's just that people who started working, with, you know, there was no generals. The pastors, the lay people, uh, everybody who had ability, we all started uh, serving people. And when you do ministry, the other things become less important. And now we're prayerfully considering how, how can we continue that? We're seeing this, this revival. Uh, we are meeting with pastors. We're breaking bread. But we're now beginning to ask God, well, how can we continue to be that? 
And it seems like because we are responding to the need in the world, basically fulfilling the Great Commission, that is what allowing us not to focus on the things that will probably divide us again, but right. they're no longer important as long as the need in front of us and as long as we're keeping our hands on the plow, so to say. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell us a little, give us a quick update just about the, the seminary, a little bit about, you know, things obviously have been turned upside down in that kind of process, uh, a little bit about KBC, uh, Kishinev Bible Church, uh, just a little just a little quick update of, of those two ministries. Well, absolutely. So we obviously are living in a time of permanent crisis. Uh, that started sometime in March of 2020. And we've, through pandemic, we've had some issues. You know, we couldn't meet for a while. And then uh, we were, you know, functioning maybe at 30% capacity when we did evangelism in the summer. 2021 started to be the year where things started to go much better. Uh, we started uh, several church plants. Uh, we started focusing on, uh, you know, okay, what are, what are some of the next steps are? Our ministry in Uzbekistan was de being developed very effectively. And then when the 2022, the war came, uh, I have to confess at first, we didn't even know whether we're going to be there. Uh, for a while, uh, every day, we just planned for the, you know, what's going to happen the following evening. Uh, the paradigms of the ministry changed. Uh, the focus group that we're trying to reach hasn't, but the location did. The geography changed. We want to uh, reach Europe. Uh, we see at least 8 million uh, refugees uh, from Ukraine, at least 2 million Russian-speaking refugees from Russia uh, who do not support the war. Uh, we pretty much see Central Asia and Turkey still as the source. Russia is right now kind of on hold. You can imagine why. But when we started to look into the 2022, sometime past May, we decided that, okay, we've done so much with the refugees, we need to refocus back on Moldova. And because sometime passed, we've looked around and we saw that our church is packed. We have two worship services. And usually one was fuller than the other. And now we have pretty much two full worship services. Uh, our church has about 70 to 100 views online within the first several hours uh, mm -hmm. after we broadcast on Sunday morning on YouTube and sometimes past that by the end of the first week. So we know, and these views are from all over Europe and other parts of the world. So we have an entire campus right now online. Uh, and that's not by intent. Maybe it's, you know, we're supposing it many of those people that we've touched uh, throughout this ordeal. But we are also seeing there is this desire for other churches to cooperate. And so we're in, literally in process of uh, initiating 10 church plans sometimes in, sometime in the fall. Part of that is with partnership with like Campus Crusade or other ministries that are operating in Moldova. Uh, four of them are going to be initiated actually by the KBC church, one of them in the capital city in the second largest part of the city. And as far as uh, developing the ministry, we're just seeing God has given us this wider uh, ministry opportunity it took, took us to a completely new level where we can only not only influence people in our neighborhood, not only people in, not influence people just in our city, but pretty much countrywide uh, impact where we're coming together with, with several other ministries. So we are probably at a better place in ministry. And I, have, I hate to say that the war made us stronger. Yeah. The, the war gave us a wider impact and effectiveness. Uh, the seminary continues to move forwards. Uh, unfortunately, through the COVID, we couldn't welcome many of our professors who are coming from the West, but it made our staff stronger. We have six professors that are teaching the, their Moldovans and they're part of our ministry. We got another six that came from other churches and other ministries. They're qualified. They have uh, degrees, but that led us to become a stronger school with a wider impact. And so 
as of right now, uh, we are in need of new pastors and new leaders. That's mm -hmm. uh, basically, we need all hands on deck, you know, so that, right. that would be the challenge that we'll be seeing. But right. other than that, we are seeing there's more opportunity before us than even physically right now we can uh, grasp yeah. and, and, and handle. That's Gene, tell us, uh, kind of wrap up here with, uh, I think, a key question, and that is simply, how can Crestview pray for you, Irina, uh, the ministry, everything that's going on? And, you know, and as your brother, you know, I've no, I've just, time we've been together since you've been here, I mean, obviously there has been a big weight. I, I, I see it. I see it in you. I see it. And there's no way that would not be that way. But so how, uh, truly, how can the church pray? Mm. How can we pray for you, your family, uh, the ministry? What, what would be the thing you'd say is, would be the best thing to pray for? So on the personal level, I will say you're exactly, you know, your assessment is right. The weight is there and there's no way for it to go away until the war is going to be over. So one of the things that we need prayer for is for us to stay focused, mm -hmm. for us to stay refreshed, um, one of the things we found out, and let me maybe let me let, let me start answering that again, and maybe you can you know okay, as you sure. added, um, your assessment of the weight that are on our shoulders is very much correct. We didn't think that. Uh, my wife and I, we traveled on a vacation sometime in the middle of July. We felt that Ukraine uh, began to kind of change the wave. So we traveled for a couple of weeks and we felt like, you know, we've worked hard and two weeks is going to give us some rest. And then we came back and we felt rested. But a week later, I realized that I'm feeling as burdened and as tired as if I had never rested. So what we're finding out is uh, many of us uh, who have been working, we didn't realize how big of a toll this emotional uh, situation would have in us. So the biggest way to pray for us is for us to find peace and, uh, I guess, solace in, in the Lord as we go, to learn to pace ourselves. Uh, the biggest resource need that we have today is human resource. It's people with all hands on deck. So our team is tired. Uh, we are faithfully continuing to go on. Uh, but we've also seen there's been some division. Uh, and what I mean by division is, uh, for example, one of our team members has traveled to U.S. And he's been here for five months and he was in, in a relative safety. But I really don't believe he was in complete peace because, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen. When he returned, there's this, this tension where some people who had left and when they come back, they cannot come back uh, to things as if they were normal. We're finding the same biggest problem in Ukraine today. Many leaders left churches in fear for their families. They traveled. Many of them didn't realize it's going to be a one-way road. So we see this burden for Moldovan church. We see this burden for Ukrainian church that ahead of us, there is a bigger task than just handling the refugees or handling this crisis of human pain. We're seeing there is a bigger issue at, at hand. And yet we feel completely um, powerless or underprepared in a sense. So praying for the vision of how can we respond to this great opportunity. Uh, we've looked at Europe. We've traveled to Karlsruhe. Uh, it's a town uh, where, where about 10,000 refugees traveled. And we were hoping somebody's going to be reaching out to them. Well, we found out not a single German church was reaching out to Ukrainian refugees. 
I mean, there are, they said they're okay if people welcome them in their churches if they come, but you know, Ukrainians don't speak, don't speak German. So the burden that we have for the people is that we want, we want to plant a church there. So for us personally to be refreshed, but for the global uh, vision, for us to see what are going to be the, some of the next steps when the war is over. And if the war is not over, if there's you know, other ways God is going to have us do for the clarity of the vision, uh, to see what are the steps we need to take in the next month, maybe even years. That's great. Eugene, always great to visit you and glad that our church is going to be able to see this and hear kind of the update, what God is doing. And so you're going to be in our prayers. Uh, we love you, brother. We are there for you. And thanks so much for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.